the show just started and Roddy has managed to mute himself. So congratulations on that. Roddy, Blaine never did that. So <laughs> we've, we've hit a new milestone here. Um, until the old man figures that out, welcome to Rumors versus Facts, everyone. We're here to discuss um, the latest UGA recruiting news, notes, separate the rumors from the facts. That's what we do here. Uh, it was a huge visitor weekend in Athens, but um, Lance, first of all, how you doing? Good, good, man. Just getting some work done and uh, joining y'all for the show tonight. It's uh, it's uh, we it was a full weekend, you know. Yesterday, you and I just going back and forth, texting, talking to you know so many different recruits, commits from several different classes. So uh, Roddy just dropped out too. So <laughs> yeah, you know, this is what you get when uh, you entrust your show to uh, someone who was telling us was on the quarter system at Georgia back in the day. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to make a joke. Yeah, you know, we're hoping to uh, to have have a guest join us later. But until then, Lance, you know, we had a, a bunch of visitors in this weekend. This was the first really big visitor weekend of the year. And, and we highlighted some of these guys last week, but kind of just take the people through who some of the names that were uh, that were in town over the weekend. So obviously so obviously it was a huge thing getting KJ Bolden in town. Um, a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of Georgia fans that I talked to kind of on Saturday and just in general, just you know, around my family and friends stuff, you know, ask if he's going to flip. Um, you know, I don't, we don't have to go into that, but I mean, you know, he was probably the same, obviously, obviously rail. was there Jordan Allen from Buford. And then, you know, you have guys like Zayden Walker, um, and uh, a lot of other in-state guys, Justice Terry was in town. I, t- I talked to him for a little bit. Um, and then you had some out-of-state guys, uh, you know, as in Breland and, uh, you know, a, a big, big name. Well, another in-state name was Elijah Griffin. He was also in town from uh, Savannah Christian. So, uh, so tell me who some of these names are, because a lot of people may not recognize them. So why yeah. is Elijah Griffin a big name? Well, he is the top defensive lineman on in the 2025 or yeah, 2025 class. And, uh, you know, it was his first time on campus uh, this season. And, uh, you know, he's a big want, obviously. Um, you know, when I talked to Justice Terry, when I went to Manchester last week, Justice mentioned he was like, man, I'm number two in y'all's rankings. I want Elijah Griffin really bad. He's one of the best players in the country. And, you know, that'd be a great one-two punch. And so um, – Obviously, having him on campus was was huge, and for a game like this, I think that uh, you know three three thirty um, CBS. It was a uh, and the way that the game turned out, it uh, it might have helped him. Who who knows? It might have showed him that Georgia was the place that you know he needs to be. Now that's the thing. That Go ahead. I was going to say one Elijah Griffin. You talk about that game. Another one of the top schools for Elijah Griffin is. South Carolina and not that these schools base these things off of one game, but when you go are going head to head with a recruit, you beat that team head to head on the field. That certainly doesn't hurt. Lance, you mentioned Aiden Breland as far as the 2024 class, which we've talked a million times about the 2024 class is almost done. Aiden Breland is one of those biggest names left defensive lineman from modern day. Yep. See now, now we're losing jet. Exactly. But I'll, I'll kind of pick up. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, Matter Day is a, a powerhouse out there in California. And, um, you know, having Breland on campus, um, you know, as an out of state kid um, is absolutely huge. And, you know, his team, his teammate uh, running back, running back is already committed to Georgia. So, uh, you know, that's a huge that's a huge thing as well for them to travel together. And and, uh, you know, for is it Nate, Fra- Nate Frazier, correct? Mm hmm. Yeah, and I spotted Nate Frazier on Saturday. You know, Nate can kind of show him. Nate's been to UGA before. You just kind of show him the ropes and, you know, show him that, you know, what, what Georgia's all about. How many guys were there? Oh, Lord. Uh, I don't know, but I noticed, you know, I, I'm – There's a lot. I'm a coward, so I so usually we're on the field when the recruits come down, and I stay in the press box raining, and I can't – Oh, you – Yeah, you, you have one job. But watching from the press box, there were so many guys. I mean, that guys were extended all the way to the 50, all the way down the sideline. And obviously people bring, you know, parents, friends, siblings, all that kind of stuff with them too. But all the way down the sidelines, wrapped around that corner, uh, if you're familiar with Sanford Stadium where the Uggas are buried, wrapped around that corner back toward the goalpost. So 
between commits, targets, their families, there was, yeah, easily, easily upwards of 50 prospects there. And, and many of whom extremely talented major targets. We've mentioned Breland, Elijah Griffin. Um, you, you go down this list of names, Jared Smith from Alabama, Cortez Smith from Parkview, uh, Zane Walker from uh, Schley County, who people have asked about in the comments, just every person, every 25 and 26 and 24 class, just a huge list of, you know, and, and again, not that there were nobodies in town for the um, UT Martin and Ball State games, but this was one of those Georgia recruiting weekends where it seems like anyone who's anyone uh, shows up between the hedges. I know when uh, you touched on it there, Lance, about maybe this game helped Georgia. This is the thing I always hear when people say, yeah, uh, they had all those recruits, but then they lost. And Kirby can turn a loss into this is why we need you, son. Exactly. In a heartbeat, you know, and he says, look, uh, they drove the field twice because we were missing tackles, you know, or we had a penalty. Uh your cornerback, we, you know, we, we need you here. You saw how this guy missed a tackle at, at safety. Hey, KJ, you know, mm-hmm. we could use you, you know, it, no matter who it is, uh, defensive lineman, offensive lineman, you saw an offensive lineman go down. In yeah. other words, showing that they're going to get playing time is a whole lot more and uh, enticing to these kids than you're the back-to-back national champions. It carries some weight because they all want to be well, It wasn't – yeah, exactly. Well, I'll kind of pick up, you know, what you – what you said kind of on a, before we cut out, but uh, you know, if you read, if you read the article that I believe John Garcia wrote, um, you know, the pitch to KJ was, uh, you know, come be the next Malachi Starks, you know, come be a freshman that makes an impact. Cause if you remember last year versus Oregon, Malachi Starks had, had that huge athletic interception that, uh, and I believe it was on like Oregon's first or second drive that changed the, in my opinion, it changed the trajectory of that game. Yeah. And again, that's the thing. You you can spin these things. However, and that's how, you know, if you're a school like like Florida, for example, when you start the year off struggling, obviously they had a big win over Tennessee the other night. But if you're not doing great on the field, the pitch becomes – I mean, how do you think Florida State has gotten the guys they've gotten over the past couple of years? It's not, hey, we're mm-hmm. winning the titles and competing for national titles. It's, hey, come get us back to, to be what Florida State used to be. So that's what the good recruiters do. They, they figure out – what the best pitch is for a certain kid in the situation their team's in, and then they rock with it. So, um, that and as we all know, Kirby Smart's a pretty good recruiter, so he'll figure out what the best pitch is and, and what each kid needs and wants to hear, and uh, and they go from there. Hey, look, Trent Smallwood made it. Hey, uh, I'm not good with times, <laughs> I gotta quit shifting times on me. No, that, that was our fault. We, yeah, we've had a few technical issues, uh, right as we were starting the uh, show. <laughs> My router decided to crap out because uh, I hardwired in exactly so that wouldn't happen. And I launched the show and it's like, oh, do you need me right now? Screw you. So uh, and then Jed's had some issues there. So you didn't miss anything. We, yeah. we did talk about all the kids that were in town. So um, uh, let's let's change up a little bit. And now that Trent's here, let's talk a little bit about reaction from some of those guys. We went through a litany of who was here. Didn't matter. We talked about how they sell it. Did any of the kids bite on it? You know, what did Georgia move the needle for these guys? So pick a guy, tell me what you thought, what you heard, what you read, what you reported. And we'll, we'll give away some of the stuff that's behind the paywall at ugasports.com. We, we'll give them some of the goodies here for, for having to put up with our technical issues. <laughs> yeah, I want to, uh, I, I want to mention Aiden Breland first because again, he was the big one for 2024, one of the few targets left in the 24 class period. Um, Man, there goes, down goes Jed. Came into town. Am I there? Yeah, you guys got me. I don't know. I don't know what we got going on tonight. Um, you know, he he and and like you mentioned, Lance, his teammate Nate Frazier was in on an official visit. Aiden Breland was pretty much treated like an official visit. Um, just the amount of time he was in town, he got the A plus treatment coming from the coaches. He spent a lot of time talking with current commits, including uh, Dylan Ryle, who spent some time talking to him during the game. Um, and then something interesting, and this goes for for multiple commits and targets after the game, there was an event at the Georgia facility where guys ate dinner and got to hang out with coaches some more. And Kirby always talks about the times of these games affecting recruiting. You can't like this weekend, you can't do that after the UAB game because the team will be getting back to the facility at on a midnight or, or whatever guys have got to be getting 
getting out of town and everything. So 3.30 kick allowed the staff to spend some more time with these with these prospects and commits after the game. Um, and A. Freeland certainly was one who, who got a lot of attention from the coaches before the game and after the game and uh, spent some time talking to current commits in between. Mm-hmm. I uh, I talked to uh, 26 uh, receiver, one of the one of the top receivers in the state and in the nation, Aaron Gregory. And man, he absolutely loved it. I know that uh, he got to spend some time with, uh, you know, they call they all go. They all call him Coach B. Mac, Brian McClendon, you know, former Georgia wide receiver and coach in the Rick era. And now and, you know, he's he's getting a lot of love. He uh, I believe they ate at a. Uh, at Bones, kind of at that facility after the game, and you know, you just got to kind of sit down and talk to him and Kirby. And you know, I also talked to uh, out of twenty-five, I think he's the eleventh ranked tackle in the rivals' rankings, um, offensive tackle Avery Gash or Gosh or however you pronounce his name. But this was his first time at an SEC school, and uh, he was a little upset that he didn't get to meet with a. Uh, with Kirby Smart, but he got to spend a lot of time with uh, you know Coach Serrells, and Coach Serrells told him that he is their top target allegedly at um, at the tackle position in the uh, twenty five class, and he believes he's the most talented. You know, coaches don't care about you know any of the rankings or anything like that. So you know, I think getting a uh, when I posted that little nugget on the uh, vault yesterday. Uh, someone commented and said that, you know, this was, you know, this is huge for, you know, Georgia to get these out of state kids, um, you know, in and uh, kudos to Georgia for getting him, uh, you know, in first. Cause I know that I looked at his, I looked at his offer page. He's got like 28 offers. I think that 12 of the 14 SEC schools have offered him and excuse me, he wants to play at the next level. And he even pointed out to me that like, he's, it's like, man, I know about Andrew Thomas. I know about Jamari Sawyer. Like, I know about some of these, you know, tackles that have been taken in the last, you know, six to eight years since Kirby's been here. And that really impressed him, you know, as a, he was – I think he absolutely enjoyed it. You go back to Aaron Gregory. That is a – one of the top players in the nation. Mm-hmm. 2025 kid, Atlanta area. Uh, saw him uh, in person – when we spoke to him, he mentioned all these other schools. I mean, he did mention Georgia's like it, but he couldn't remember Brian McClendon's name when, during that interview. Uh, that's not a big deal. You know, sometimes you forget a name. Hell, I forget what Trent's name is. Uh, no, you just kind of point at him, you know. But with Aaron, he's he was mentioning USC and how they use their wide receivers, Ohio State and how they use their wide receivers, and a couple other schools, how they use their wide receivers. And I'm like, what about Georgia? He's like, yeah, they, uh, they have a great defense and they run the ball a lot. I'm like, oh, all right, well, scratch him off the list. But he said, I need to get up there and see for myself. And sure enough, I mean, if you go back and look at how Georgia, their first two games, I know everybody's like, Mike Bobo this, Mike Bobo that. Mike Bobo is throwing the ball. Uh, they were throwing the ball a lot. You know, I was actually looking at the numbers. And when you see eight, nine, well, actually, I don't They've had nine, 11, and 12 different guys catch the ball, mm-hmm. and they're throwing it all over the place. If you know Brad McClendon is like, you know why we have to spread the ball out? You know, we don't have that alpha receiver. We don't have that, uh, you know, we don't have our main. Yeah, you don't have like a George Pickens type. Um, well, it's kind of perfect. Roddy went out right there. Yeah, they don't have that George Pickens type right now. They, uh, you know, obviously, I think, in my opinion, Lad McConkey's the best receiver, but he's obviously been out the last three weeks. They don't know when he's going to be back. But, uh, you know, to Roddy's point, you know, Gregory, you know, getting one of those, you know, a guy like that, that's highly rated, and he's just a sophomore. is absolutely huge. And, uh, you know, I think it's I think it's credit to uh, to Jed, even though, you you know, you kind of thought that those, uh, those nine of 14 uh, passes, I think that Beck had in the second half were – where uh, passes Kirby said there were runs. I'm with you. I'm more of on your side than his. But, uh, you know, to Wright's point, they do spread the ball out and, you know, kind of uh, spread the wealth. I think I I think I remember back to a point that Kirby made in that Oregon game last year. He was, I think it, and it was a kind of subtle recruiting pitch. He was like, why? He was like, you know, why do players want to come to Georgia? Because we spread the ball out. We, you know, we're, we're a football team that, you know, just doesn't solely rely on one player. Yeah. Well, and you look at how they use guys on, on Saturday, how many, they, they got the, 
they got their playmakers the ball yeah. in space. They were getting the ball to Dominic Lovett quick. They were getting it to Brock Bowers quick. Um, so I don't know if, if you're a receiver, ultimately what you want is getting the ball in space with a chance to make a play. And I think Georgia showed that with, with what they did with, especially with Dominic Lovett there in the second half. Negative. Uh, you saw Dylan Rayola there. He was doing some work. What, what did you witness? He was that that guy's an ambassador, man. I mean, that's uh, we, we've talked about it. The whole kind of point of him, or one of the points of him moving closer to Georgia, was so he can be on campus a lot. And it's four weekends like this, right? It's it's to talk to the Jordan Allen's, like you mentioned, Lance. And you know, I, I spoke with Jordan Allen as well, and he said, being that was Jordan Allen's first game day visit since being offered by Georgia this summer. And he said, being there with Dylan, he told me a lot of stuff about Georgia that I would have had no idea about. And I was like, well, well, what do you mean? He said, well, Georgia's offense is similar to Buford's. There's a lot of carryover. Me and Dylan talked with Montgomery Van Gorder about this, this carryover and what the transition from Buford to Georgia theoretically would be like. Um, so whether it's talking to Jordan Allen, whether and like I mentioned, George, yeah, what like I mentioned, Raiola spoke with Aiden Breland a lot. You know, he, he's there to talk to these guys, to recruit them, to sell them. Um, on Georgia and coaches do all that stuff on these weekends. That's what they're paid to do. But sometimes the message just rings different when it comes from a player, a guy that is more or less the same age as you. And I think that's what these weekends are all about for Dylan Royola. Yeah. Trent's been doing this long enough where he will do the thing where, Hey, what did the other guys tell you? You know? And they're like, well, or what did the players tell you? And it is very important that you have good ambassadors in the recruiting class, but also on your campus, the guys that host them, who takes them out on their official visit, who talks them up. And mm. if those guys are like, yeah, it's great here, but uh, the food sucks or uh, the, ho- the homework's too hard, or uh, we don't, we don't get a big enough uh, cost of living stipend, you know, and stuff like that. One comment like that can uh, turn a kid off. It's very yeah. important. But when uh, you're, Last time you've been hosted by a kid, and he goes, "Hey, what the coaches say, they don't lie." Mm-hmm. And if the recruits say the same thing, guys, your own age in your own, uh, it, it just means more. It, it's leadership, pure and simple. I think something we we all talk about Georgia recruiting certain types of kids and, and things like that. When you talk to these guys and they and you ask them what do your official visit hosts say, they all say the hosts say Georgia's not for everybody. You got to work <laughs> all these things that that you hear Kirby say, right? But they also say it's worth it in the end. You know, you hear, you know, a guy like Zion, I've heard people say this about Zion Lowe. He says, Georgia's not for everybody. You've got to work. You might have to wait your turn depending on the position, the depth chart and everything, but it's worth it in the end. So I think the the staff does a good job of educating the current players as well on what to tell recruits, how to sell them on these kind of things. And, you know, that's how you get classes that are, that are the number one in the country by a pretty good margin right now. Well, that's why I'm going to go real quick to K.J. Bolden. Okay, he got the entire pitch from Georgia before he decided to go to FSU. He, Trent, how many times was he here? Mm, 17, I think it was. <laughs> so 17 uh, – I'm going to wait until you're taking a drink before I hit you up there. <laughs> so 17 uh, tries, Georgia couldn't quite land him, so they get him back for another one this time. But this time he comes up. And he's hanging out with Dylan Rayola, the guy that's throwing him touchdown passes on Friday nights. You know, uh, a lot of people are going to ask about it. Hey, um, what are the real chances there? I think we should – I think let's dive into the K.J. Bold and the fact, the fact that he was – A, that he came up. Was it just bored that Saturday, want to go to a game? Or is he continuously looking? What's the real story here with K.J. Bold? You got to go. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I – I, this is this is where if the kid is just coming up and taking a visit and hanging out with his buddies, it's a little different. But when you bring your parents, your grandparents, um, it's a little different. Um, to me, you, you're 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 still looking. If if you're bringing your whole family to a game, uh, this is this, this whole family can come to uh, to the University of Georgia anytime and visit. But you're bringing your whole family to a game and your whole family sitting through these recruiting pitches and, and being able to go on uh, the, the whole spill that KJ's on, I, I, I take it a little bit more serious. Not saying he's going to flip, not saying any of that, but I'm saying he's still 
seriously looking at the University of Georgia. I'm not sure he's looking anywhere else. And I, and I, ultimately, it came down to Florida State and Georgia, although Oliver made that late run. But I, I but I do think he's seriously t- uh, looking at Georgia. Him and Kirby have a great relationship, and of course, Dylan Raul is uh, forming that relationship as well. And um, you know, it, it, I still think he loves Georgia. I don't think he has any love loss from Georgia. I know everybody is convinced and and has me convinced that Buford is just hates Georgia. But um, but still, I think at the end of the day, he is still looking at Georgia. He is still seriously considering Georgia, and I don't think he would be if if he didn't bring his family and you know uh, other family members with him. Fair, Jed. Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, someone asked this on the board last week. Is there a realistic shot of flipping KJ Bolden? It depends on what your definition of realistic is. Like, am I putting in a future cast for him? No. But like Trent said, he's still listening. And as long as he's still listening, you've got a shot. I mean, even when he committed, we all kind of thought this would be one that might go down till signing day. And the the fact of him showing up on campus isn't a shock to any of us. Um, but you, you just got to keep plugging away at it. I mean, people have mentioned on the board, how many guys has Georgia flipped in recent classes or, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, you, you don't flip the guys that you, you give up on. People bring up the <laughs> argument, Georgia just give up, devote resources elsewhere. Well, what, like when you flip them, nobody says that when, when guys flip, all they talk about is, just, Oh, the coaches stayed on me. The coaches never gave up. So, you know, you, all they can do is is tell you no, but I think it's not I, – I don't view it as pursuing K.J. Bolden, taking time and resources away from uh, from somebody else. I just think it's – the staff is is doing their due diligence, I guess, on, on a five-star guy that they really want and have for a long time. Yeah, I, I kind of view it as one of these things is am I 50% sure that – or, you know, 50% or greater sure that he he's going to flip? No, but am I uh, – would I put my money that he signs with Florida State, you know, a 75% chance? No, I don't I – don't, I don't – I don't – right now I would say uh, I have no clue where he's signing as of today. Um, it, he, he left a little doubt, in, you know, in, in interviews. And I would say uh, Florida State has the best chance to sign him. That's what I would say as of today. But I still think Georgia's heavily in the mix. And to the and to the point of the people trying to say that you know he's a wasted resource, he's forty minutes down the road, and it's not like he was on an official visit. He was he was literally probably drove up, you know, family Rayola's family if they were there, Ray, you know, with Rayola himself, Jordan Allen, all those guys. So you know, he was just taking up a ticket spot. So. Yeah, you give him the tickets. You hope that he comes in. Uh, who's left in the 2024 class? We've talked about this for three weeks in a row. Uh, we, could, we could probably do this show in 15 minutes if we we're just focusing on 2024. What, Aiden Breland, uh, LJ McCoy? LJ uh from Florida. Michael Buru. I think since we did this show last week, decommitted from Florida. He was also in town over the weekend. Um. And then, like you said, the defensive back or two, those names are kind of starting to emerge other than the, the K.J. Bolden potential flip. Maybe a yeah, high school receiver. Yeah, but, but that's uh, the point. It's, it's not like you're trying to – if we were talking about this any other year, they might be sitting at like 17 uh, commits, mm-hmm. 16 commits. Hey, I mean, for all you people who are watching from the vault, and we love you, you vault people know there was the longstanding meme, it's only July. Georgia had like eight commits in July. We're like, what's, what's going on? And people say, hey, it's only July. And then all of a sudden towards the end of July, August, all those names will start popping, popping, commit, 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 commit. Then it dies down a little bit as they all uh, go about, they report for uh, practices at their high schools. They don't visit as much. And then it takes off again towards the end of uh, the season. And then, of course, you know, you'd have all that flurry in December and January. And then signing day would come in February. There'd always be like three or four guys that we would – drive all over the place to be there for their announcements on signing day. Now they've got the whole damn class locked up by, you know, I guess what the first week of September, 99% of it was done. Chris Cole was the most recent one. So there aren't uh, spending time trying to get a uh, KJ Bolden. Look, they'd still like another swing at Caleb Downs. They still like a uh, shot at Justice Haynes, you know, Luther Burden. There's other guys that they want to get worst, worst case scenario is like, uh, Hey, KJ, go down to Florida State. See how you like it. If you don't like it, we'll see you for your sophomore year at back in your Athens. Yeah, I mean, again, like Alabama. Uh, sorry, 
get off track. No, I was just going to say, I mean, you don't, you, all you can do is keep trying. And if they say no, they say no. And, and like you said, Roddy, especially nowadays, you, you can't burn bridges in recruiting. If, if anybody wants to come home and, or come to Georgia, got to, you have to have that relationship still maintained. You just can't tell guys to kick rocks because they chose somewhere else in July of their uh, other senior year. Of high school. So, and Kirby said it several times about uh, only uh, he, he only goes after guys in the portal that he's familiar with or has relationships with prior mm-hmm. relationships. With. Mm-hmm. And and you know he had that with Dom Levitt, Ra Ra Thomas, those guys. And and uh, this oh, is what you, you, yeah. you're recruiting. Yeah. Right now, for for years down the road, just like you would if they were a sophomore, you're recruiting as a you're recruiting them as a senior. You might not get them now, but we're recruiting them for after that freshman year when their team explodes, kind of like Alabama. So mm-hmm. exactly, and it's not, and it's kind of like two point two two guys that obviously didn't work out, but they ended up coming to Georgia after going to LSU and Texas A and M's, Reed Gilbert and Smoke Bowie, and you know those didn't work out, you know for other reasons you know, beyond Kirby's control, but, you know, exact, those are two prime examples of guys that, you know, Kirby didn't burn bridges with. Um, so, cutting out his point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel bad about for Reed Gilbert. And that, uh, completely inconsequential to what we're talking about here. I want folks to understand something about a Reed Gilbert, kind of a little behind-the-scenes baseball here. Uh or inside baseball, behind the scenes, if you will, Georgia did everything humanly possible to make Arik Gilbert a success at the university. Uh, I've never seen a school devote that many resources to one player. And I just hate it that uh, it did not work out. And I hope he would be successful in Nebraska, but it just did not work out. That just breaks my heart. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, Trent, you put up something very uh, – well, any other uh, – uh, visitors we need to talk about from this weekend? Well, I think uh, w- w- one important piece, and, you know, Georgia's kind of, w- with with not many 2024 guys left on the board, they kind of turned their focus 2025. And I think one guy that you're you're really focused on holding on to is Justice Terry on that defense line. And, um, you know, he, he is, he is uh, very, very good. And I think this is the next very good lineman to come through, the five-star type defensive tackle. Um he, uh, I've said it before. I've said it on the vault before. He has very strong ties to the University of Georgia. Um, he's is is being recruited heavily by Alabama. He's taking visits to Alabama, uh, and along with other schools. Um, but is is you know his trainer that he that trains is heavily involved. Uh, you know supports Georgia. He trained Trayvon Walker. He's trained some other guys. Um, but I, he he's got a lot of family members that are. Um, have heavy ties to Georgia or, or Georgia fans or, you know, so I, I think holding on to these 2025 guys like justice Terry, who had, had a great visit uh, this past weekend um, is, is the important thing now and, and, and kind of zero in and on uh, what targets or what your priority list is as far as uh, position was. Well, speaking of 2025 guys, what are they going to do for a quarterback? Uh, I think that's still up in the air. Uh, I think Georgia has has taken the opportunity having two quarterbacks committed uh, currently, and uh, you know neither one of them seem to be wavering or, or at 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 any point. So I think you're 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 looking at 2025 and 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 trying to figure out what you want to do in that class. And I think that's what Georgia's done over the month of September. I think they've evaluated the position. They've had guys sending them film. Um, there's been um, Numerous guys. There's been dual threat guys. There's been guys that haven't even uh, they're not even ranked, like Amari Griffin out of Alabama. Um, that's a that's a name that it, uh, he's not even. Uh, I tried to look him up in the rivals da- database to tag his name on the board, and he's not even in there. So that's a guy that Georgia's looked at. Um, uh, they continue to look at Ron Montgomery. Um, uh, he, like visited, uh, he visited um, Florida this past weekend. He plans to visit Auburn for the Georgia game. If if he is at the top of the priority list, um, I expect to see him visit Georgia in November. But um, that will be, uh, I think, that will come down to uh, what Georgia's ultimate decision is. And I think a lot of a lot of guys are sitting there waiting just to see what where they at in the pecking order and 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 you know how serious Georgia is about uh, pursuing them. Uh, Craig Campbell had a question, and if you, folks, if you have questions, pop them into the comment section there, either on Facebook or uh, YouTube. We'll try to get to them. Uh, what do y'all think on Breland? 
I think he's coming to Georgia. I just think, like I mentioned earlier, we mentioned we have felt that Georgia was in a good spot with him for a while, and then just just speaking with folks this weekend o- only strengthened that belief. So Trent, I believe you've you've reported that you're you're thinking you have heard like late September, early October, maybe uh, for Aiden Breland, and I mean I just. I think all signs are are pointing towards this direction right now. Yeah, I, I would, I'm leaning towards them making a decision in the next couple of weeks. Um, I think Georgia has, you know, we discussed this back in uh, late July when he canceled his visits to Texas A&M and uh, Miami uh, for that last weekend in, in July that Georgia was standing out then. And, w- and that's when we were talking about uh, possible teammates coming to Georgia, then his – uh, then he commits uh, his teammate commits to, to Georgia the first week in August, and all of a sudden, you know, Aiden's still sitting there on the board, and and we, we said, you know, Georgia is heavily in this, and we think Georgia uh, uh, leads and uh, leads at the current moment with Oregon right there with them, and um, you know, he's he's dropped his top schools, Georgia and Oregon are both right there. I still think Georgia and uh, think Georgia and Oregon are still that top two, but I do think Georgia has the lead at the moment. Well, when Oregon loses Colorado, then you know. <laughs> you come, come right in. Uh, in Colorado takes the lead. Uh, yeah. Uh, are they storming the field again? I mean, they're going to pay $7 million in goalpost fees. <laughs> hey, shout out to Andre Franco watching us from Brazil. From uh, I got to get down to Brazil. My wife has uh, one of her college friends lives down there. They keep inviting us. So we'll go down there. We'll stop in to see uh, Andre Franco as well. Um Let's switch over to the questions from the vault at ujsports.com. We will try to get through these uh, and answer all the questions for our very loyal subscribers. And trust me, folks, we really appreciate the fact that uh, the people on the vault not only support uh, this YouTube channel, but they also support our real job at ujsports.com. So shout out to Big Fatty 94. It means a lot to us that Big Fatty always sends in a question. And he says, what are the real chances of a flip with KJ Bolden, or is it just to keep in contact in case uh, he hits the portal a, a year after? We kind of answered that one before, but let's, uh, he wants real deal. So give me a percentage chance. I mean, I would say. Come on, Jed. Yeah, this, this, this you is gotta, my. You got to put a number on it so we can quote you in our TikTok. I'll say, I don't know, 10% maybe. I mean, I just think. It's not like Trent said. I think if he flips from Florida State, it will be to Georgia. Um, I mean, but right now, I'm just I don't feel super, super confident. But again, the staff the staff's trying. They're gonna I'm sure they're gonna work to get him on campus again for you know Kentucky game Miss or uh, Ole Miss. But, but I just personally I don't I don't feel super confident uh, that will flip to Georgia right now. All right, Lance percentage. I'd say. 25. I don't think that he will, but I, like Jed said, I think that the staff is going to definitely try to get him, you know, back in town. Um, you know, it's a shame that they couldn't get him in town probably for, you know, a night game coming up against UAB. But, uh, you know, I'd say, I'd say a little bit higher with, uh, you know, Rayola in his ear, like Rayola's in kind of all of those uh, Buford's guys' ears uh, at the moment. So I would say 25% that uh, Georgia flips KJ Bolden, but I don't think it'll be till later till like signing day. Jed's such a pessimist. <laughs> I right, I'm a Browns fan, man. I got it. I don't. I don't even know how to answer this question, but um, I, I'll go out on a limb and just say. Well, fifty-fifty would be like these teetering on that. Like I said, I don't. I, I would say it's less than a fifty percent chance that he signs with Georgia, but I also say that it's less than a seventy-five percent chance that he signs with Florida State, whatever that means. But oh, uh, I, 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 I don't. Right now, I, I still think he's evaluating, and and I don't think that commitment necessarily meant that. I I think it meant that Florida State was in the driver's seat more so than um, he was convinced of where he wanted to go. Yeah, I think that uh, it would not shock me for you get the all the excitement of committing to your school, and you go visit them, and they treat you like royalty, and it's 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 like a new relationship. It's just wonderful. Then three, four months in, you're like, mm, I can look. You start looking around a little bit. So, uh, I, I, I like the. But again, to me, if you say it's 50-50, that means the kids split. You know, and I, 
it's not, you know, and if you say anything more than 50, then that means you're expecting him at some point to do so. He has a greater chance of coming to Georgia than to FSU. If you say, I think he's 60, 40 or a 60% chance of flipping him, then that means you're kind of expecting it. So 10, 25 seems fair, not out of the uh, realm of possibility. Uh, I like the way you put it there, uh, Trent, with his uh, less than 50 and less than 75 to FSU. I see it. Uh, I mean, can you imagine if we were talking about George Pickens when he's committed to Auburn and how that would have worked out? I mean, so, the day before signing day. <laughs> so it's like 100% he's going to Auburn. Oh, until uh, twenty less than 24 hours, then we'll change it we'll up. get a phone call that morning that, uh, <laughs> hey, I'm going up to his announcement. I think he's picking Georgia. What, what, yeah. Okay. All right. So, so, so things change there pretty quick. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. All right. Uh, let's go to uh, DeFranklin31. Uh, says, uh, well, these are all kind of team questions, uh, but I'll say we'll take it. We'll take a stab at them. Uh, how to trust grade out versus Amarius Mims uh, compared to how he's typically graded out at tackle. What 2023 tackle do you foresee getting more reps? Uh, next year's line will be experienced if they don't get more time. So well, the reason I want to give a shot at that is because we actually have the grades. So if you want to know how he graded out, it's right there. This is something that uh, we put up every Sunday. We put up their actual uh, player grades. Kirby Smart said Xavier Trust did really well in the run. And if you notice, they were running to the right side in the second half a lot. So – you guys, how do you think uh, Trust did versus how Mims normally does? I think he did good in the uh, and definitely in the run. I think he opened up some stuff in the run. Of course, Dejon Edwards made a lot of the runs look a lot better than they were. But uh, you know, Xavier Trust opened up the hole uh, for Cash to get in on that touchdown run. I do think he did get his run. He he um, pass blocking is where I think you you miss Mims. Um, I think that's where you could see a struggle, but, um, but regarding the run, I think he did. I think he helped out in the run. Jed, you're a football expert. Yeah. Rankings, yeah. rankings football expert. As, uh, as many coaches around the country would agree. No, I mean, I, I think if you didn't super offensive lines, that thing where if you don't super notice them, they did all right. Um, it, it is going to be interesting. And, I, Roddy, I think it was your question today at Kirby's press conference. Are you going to stick with trust at right tackle? And he says, well, we got to find the best five and all this because Austin Blasky is coming back. So does trust go back to left guard? Do him and Dylan Fairchild, who came in and did a good job, do they keep rotating? So there, there's a lot of moving pieces there. But he did mention trust, a guy who came in as a tackle, I believe, right, Trent, and and played tackle when he first got here and now has played a bunch of guard. That's huge in terms of, of flexibility, moving guys around. And, and Blasky can do that as well. So um, I, I, while they might not be super deep, they do have a couple guys who can who can move around a little bit up front. I, for sure. I, I do like what I saw out of Dylan Fairchild. I mean, that, that kid is athletic. He looks mean. I mean, <laughs> he's, he just uh, – I think he – along with Xavier Trust coming in and helping the run game, I think uh, Dylan Fairchild held his own uh, – not only in the run game, but the pass game. I thought he, I thought he passed protected very well. Yeah, I agree there. I think the what we will see for the UAB game is not so much who do you put up to replace Xavier Truss. I think you you work from the inside out. So are they comfortable with who their guards are to get out to the tackles? So it's uh, I think Truss. I mean, if Dylan, they really liked how Dylan graded out and put him there, or maybe Jared or somebody else, then. Like, okay, trust, you've been out there. And, again, the Blasky question, which I don't expect to see Blasky this, this uh, week. Not just no. – I mean, and here's the thing. We, we heard that, uh, oh, well, Lad's got a small back issue. He'll be fine. You know, we're not going to see that kid for five weeks or something like that. And I'm like, uh, oh, we, well, the MCL issue with Dejan Edwards. Oh, he's fine. He didn't even put on a black jersey. We went to go out there and see him. Misses the first two games. So I'm just going to assume that uh, everybody that has some sort of injury – is dead until they're uh, they walk out on the field again. You know, I'm just gonna. I'm just. <laughs> this is the most one of the most beat up teams I've ever seen, and I've been doing this a long time. It was like 2012 or something. All right, uh, one of the other questions um, uh, from uh, DeFranco31. There's a distinct difference in the running of uh, Dejan Edwards and Dylan Bell versus the rest of the backs. Uh, what do you think the order should be for the running backs? 
And again, this is a recruiting question because you guys covered them as running backs. Uh, you covered Dylan Bell as you've seen him switch to wide receiver. You you guys go to the games as well. So uh, give me your uh, one, two, three for the running back pecking quarter, knowing that Kilda Milton now has an MCL issue. Um, Branson Robinson's out. Uh, uh, Rod Robin, uh, Robinson is uh, banged up. Uh, Andrew Paul didn't play at all last week. No. I don't know why. They said there, were, that there was some swelling or soreness back in the knee. That's what I heard mm-hmm. about him. So, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Maybe – maybe it, it, I mean, it takes a while, not only from a physical standpoint, but a mental standpoint. Maybe mentally he's not ready to play. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I guess you have to go Edwards and Bell because you ain't got nobody else healthy. But I think Cash would be that three guy and, and be that versatile guy, um, that guy yeah, that uh, you put in the pass down. Do what? Would Rod Robinson be that four in that kind of situation? If he's healthy, I think I think uh, Rod Robinson and Kendall Milton, if they have lower leg injuries, it really suffers because they look like, uh, I mean, nothing against them, but they're power backs and they look slow when they have something wrong downstairs. And uh, and I, I think you saw a difference with Kendall Milton last year when he got healthy towards the end of the season. You saw the burst and you saw the speed and you saw his uh, uh, he was a lot different football player than he was at the beginning of the year this year and the beginning of this year there was no burst and uh, I think you saw that difference when Dejon Edwards came on the field Saturday and you saw that burst come out yeah uh give me Dejon Edwards then I I'll say it right now I think Dylan Bell should be a running back I know he wants to be a wide receiver um and he started as a true freshman which is tough to do in a crowded room but I think this kid could make a lot of money as a running back. He played running back in high school. He's recruited as a running back. And it's a complicated offense, and he's having to learn all the roles at all the different spots at wide receiver. And now he's having to learn all the stuff at running back. I don't know. Just, and, again, if he doesn't want to, then I wouldn't you know, I'd give him his preference. But if he ever decides that he wants to be a full-time running back, dude would be special. Just, just my take. Um, let's go down to the next one. Uh we mentioned the odds on uh, some of the uh, K- uh, KJ Bolden. The boy racer 45 says, what are the odds to give it today on the following players? Uh, Aiden Breland, LJ McCray, uh, Makai Baru. I'll go. Let's see. I'll go 90% on Breland. Dang. I'll go. Uh, I don't know. I'll go like. 35 on McRae just because I think that's that's wide open, 30% maybe. Um, and then Burrow, I mean, Georgia was right there when he committed to Florida. He has now decommitted from Florida. So, um, I mean, Trent, you you were saying earlier today you think that one's going to go later into the season, more closer to signing day. But I don't know, 50, 60% chance on, on Burrow maybe? What do you all think? Yeah, I would say I would say maybe 75%. Forty percent, seventy-five percent, and just to play it on the safe side. And, yeah. <laughs> zero between zero and a hundred. Yeah, just to play it safe. Yeah, that makes- well, you, think of, you look at the last two weeks. Going back to McCray, he's been. I think he was in Gainesville this past week on an unofficial, and then he was at Miami before that. Um, and I think looking at it right now, lined up um, and on his profile, he's or you know per social media as well. He's going to be uh, at Florida State on the seventh. So, like I said, I think last week those. So it's in-state school, so I'm I'd go 25% for him, but I'm up there with Jed about about 90, 95% with Breland. But Roe, I haven't really followed his recruitment as much, but the other two, um, you know, Breland over McCray, I think ends up in Georgia. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, that sounds fair. All right. Uh, next question from Rawl55. When do you think Zayden Walker announces his commitment? That is a good question. Um, he is a guy George has been after for a long time, and he, he's, he was in Athens this weekend. His bro- his two brothers, actually, are both committed to Auburn. Um, mm. But I don't know. I mean, I personally would think it, it's not imminent, I would say. But but I, I, I don't know. It, there certainly has seemed to be some buzz maybe picking up about it. Mm. So – I don't know. I do hope to see him maybe in action soon. Uh, I know they lands they play Justice Terry's team yeah. uh, next month, October twentieth. I, I believe. I think you know. I talked to you today. 
Kirby's interview about going down there because I mean that's a huge I mean that's a that's a huge game in single A Division two. I cover a lot of a lot of smaller football in the state. Um, my other job and yeah, that's a those are two of the top if I'm not mistaken the top two teams and I believe you went to their game last year mm-hmm. at Manchester. Yeah, and he's he reminds me of of Nolan Smith because he's not. And, and again, I didn't cover Nolan as a recruit, so Trent might be more qualified to answer this than I am. But but from watching Nolan as a college player, he doesn't strike you as super like one of these freakishly long, you know, at, at really athletic guys. And you know, but he is physical. He will strike you. He will hit you. Um, you know, Zayden Walker will uh, mess you up. So I remember you coming back talking about him like. Damn. Yeah, and he, he's built like – t- and that was – as a, he was a sophomore when I saw him last year. So, he's he was built like a tank then, and I'm sure he's only, you know, even more muscular and ready to throw me and anyone else who gets in his way through a wall. So, um, that's a, a very interesting – and, again, spots were kind of limited this year at that outside mm-hmm. linebacker edge spot, but he is definitely one of those guys up at the top of the board for 25. Well, speaking of uh, Raiden, uh, Raw 55 had a second question. Do we have an announcement time for Ethan Barber? And we, we do Ethan not Barber and let everybody know. So Ethan Barber, 2025 tight end. He has been in Athens a lot. Uh, top five, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, Ohio State, South Carolina. Committing Friday. Alfreda has a game Friday night, so that would – you would assume it would either be early in the morning before school or sometime between school ending at, at three o'clock and really getting locked in for the game at five. Uh, other than that, though, we don't know. I'm planning to go see him at practice this week and, and hopefully we'll report back with the time. I, you know, Trent, this is one where you have kind of heard some things about he, he might not be super high on the board, but the kid has said, you know, Georgia has basically given him the green light is what they've told him. So it's it's interesting. I, I was telling Roddy this earlier. I If it's not Georgia, I don't know. Like it, It's not one of those battles where I say, okay, this is a battle between Georgia and Alabama. You know, I just Georgia has been sort of the school that's popped up the most with him. Uh, so it, it's really interesting. It's really interesting, going to be really interesting to see how that one shakes out on Friday, whatever this, time. It this is. is a different type tied in than – um, George has recruited um, certainly over the past or since Todd Hartley's been in town. Um, I mean, you're looking at a 6'2", six, 6'2 two, six, two maybe six, maybe 6'3", six, uh, tight end, more on the Orson Charles side of things, uh, can probably play some H-back, probably line him up in, in, in numerous uh, plays. I saw he scored three touchdowns in one quarter, uh, I guess, a couple weeks ago. But um, I, I think Georgia – you know, when I went down to IMG and I spoke with him, and he was very high on Georgia. I'm like, I mean, he just raved about Georgia and, and how Georgia wanted to be that number two tight end. But after being down there, I was told that he he wasn't uh, one of their top two on the board at the at the time. Um, you know that, that that likely has changed. It sounds like it's changed. Georgia sounds like they've given him uh, the green light. You know, he, I think he's visited Georgia at least two out of the three weeks. Um, I'm not sure on the third, but I think he's visited two of the last three weeks. So all signs would point to Georgia. Um, and we'll see, you know, what happens moving forward. But, I, but he, he is extremely athletic. He's just a different type of body frame than, than Georgia's had at the tight end position. Awesome. All right. Uh, Space Pope three says, what's the next big recruiting weekend, Kentucky or Ole Miss? I think I would think Ole Miss. I'm looking here at the schedule right now. Uh, uh, Georgia, Kentucky in two weeks. I think it, I think Kentucky takes a loss to Florida in one of the next two weeks. That could affect that game time. But uh, you know, it's looking at the schedule. They've got uh, that week: Alabama, Alabama, Texas A&M, Michigan, uh, Minnesota, and then the Texas Oklahoma. So I would think that uh, you know, for a time for that Ole Miss game, depending on how Ole Miss does, I know they've got a big schedule, but I think that. That Ole Miss game could be a three thirty and run the night game. You would think that they want to they want to line it they want to line it up more closer to you know early the early signing period too. So I would think Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean honestly, I think they're both going to be big recruiting weekends just because with the nature of the home schedule, it's not like you're saving all the big visitors for one game, right? Um, you know, there's a few guys we have on the list for Kentucky: Malik Autry, a defensive lineman committed to Auburn in twenty five, will be there. Amari Williams, a twenty twenty five edge, like like we were just talking about with Zayden Walker will be there. Um, Zion Grady, another another 2025 outside linebacker who was supposed to be 
Walker at um at the whatever South Carolina game could make it. He's looking oh. at Kentucky. Elijah Melendez, twenty twenty five inside linebacker, is going to be there. So that weekend is already kind of shaping up a little bit. Um, but again, I think you know when you don't have necessarily that game late in the year like Tennessee. Although at this point in the year, we didn't know the Tennessee game was going to be what it was. Yeah. You kind of got to hit on all these SEC games. And again, like you mentioned, Lance, um, yeah. game times could be a factor who's able to get into town, stuff like that. But yeah, honestly, I think, I think they're both probably going to be a pretty decent sized weekend. I, I think the, all the home games, besides maybe UAB, I mean, even Missouri, I think it, it all depends on high school schedules because you're, you're getting kids in from, from all across the country. And I think it a lot has to line up with, with their, with their schedule, their high school schedule, what their game, are they playing an away game on Friday night? Where it's going to prevent them from getting the rest and being able to get up that next morning. I think a lot depends on uh, in game times. Um, so uh, I think they'll all be big. Uh, I don't think um, none of them might be as big as this past weekend, but I think Georgia's going to have some elite talent. Whether twenty five and spread them out. I mean, yeah. uh, who, who is it? Uh, uh, Gast Gast said he didn't even spend time with Kirby. Um, mm-hmm. Well, if you bring half of those talented guys in for Kentucky, you bring the other half in for Ole Miss, and you wine them and dine them and uh, spend a lot of time with them. And remember, one of the things that Georgia loves to do is to take their film, compare it to guys that played at Georgia, then to show those guys playing in the NFL, show the exact same plays, the exact same moves, say, here's what, uh, here's what you know, uh, Isaiah Wynn did. You know, here's Andrew Thomas. Here's Jamari Sawyer. Here's Broderick Jones. Now, here's what you do. And see this kick slide, they're very similar, but you could clean it up here, stuff like that. Uh, you want to, you want that time. And if you you can have a huge recruiting weekend, but that means less time with each individual player. So uh, hit, hit them all and try to get as many as possible. Uh-oh, uh, Nick Chubb's down uh, on Monday Night Football, holding his knee. Yeah, Crap. All right. Well, that's yeah. what we end the show with an absolute downer. And let's, uh, everybody, we're going to hang up here and you guys uh, say a quick prayer for Nick Chubb because yeah. nobody deserves uh, to not have knee injuries more than Nick Chubb. So. Exactly. All right, folks. Anyway, that's all the time we have for this week's show. We will be back next Monday, uh, hopefully back at our normal 830 time, spot, time slot. And uh, we will uh, be talking more recruiting facts, trying to get a, a special guest on for next week. So be sure to tune in. We will see you next week.